Jeff once again for joining us on A Dose of Hope. As always, we have Jennifer Waller here in the studio with us to host today's program. And Jennifer, you have another great guest for us today. I do. I'm just so blessed to have all of these amazing friends and guests in the studio with me. Um, but this week, I get to introduce to you one of my favorite friends. Her name is Karen Nelson. And I'm just going to share with y'all how I met her like five and a half, six years ago when I was... Um, I had the vision of starting Freedom House. People kept telling me, well, have you met this Karen Nelson? Have you met this Karen Nelson? And I'm like, no, but I keep hearing her name. Um, but she lived in Juneau at the time. I lived in Soldatna. And so long story short, through prison ministry outreach, um, I connected with her over email, introduced myself. She replies, so we're talking over email. And she invites me to come to Juno um, to check out Haven House, which was similar to what I was wanting to open as Freedom House in Soldatna. So never have meeting each other met each <laughs> other before. I fly to Juno. She picks me yes. up at the airport, and then as they say, the rest is history. Yes. Um, we just hit it off instantly, and she has been a mentor um, to me throughout the last five and a half years of starting a nonprofit sober living faith-based home because she was the director of one there so similarities but today i'm excited because we get to hear her testimony of her darkness walking in darkness and then coming out into victorious light and freedom and i'm just so excited to have her as a guest today on the show so kara tell us your testimony start at the beginning and what got you to where you're at today yeah well thank you so much for having me jennifer oh my gosh she almost made me cry thinking about back in the day and where we were then and now even in our recovery and what god's done so yeah my name's kara nelson and i actually was raised in um, logging camps in southeast alaska my dad was a logger I have three sisters and amazing parents, still together today, still uh, loving the Lord. But early on um, as a child, I had some traumatic events happen in my life and probably when I was about seven or eight years old. And it just, um, that's a point that I can remember that really shifted my view on the world itself. Um, just gave me a different lens of things. And so with that, moving forward, um, I can see where even before my first use, I felt very less than, I felt um, different. I never felt like I belonged anywhere. Um, I was actually raised in Christian schools and um, had a, a good home life. Um, so when I was probably about 12 years old, I was introduced for the first time to alcohol and other drugs, and it was on from there. It was the first time that I felt like I could be comfortable in my own skin. Um, I could be fully myself, or so I thought was myself. And I mean, it did exactly what I know it to do, you know, and, and put me in that place of ease that I hadn't felt before. And so that was just the beginning of um, a very long and dark journey in addiction. I never had a drug of choice. Um, whatever you have, I'll take. And um, whatever, you know, is gonna get me out of right here, right now. 
Of course, my addiction changed over the years. Um, I had a lot of fun, you know, for a long time and I did well in school. I was able to get good grades. I played sports, but again, I had this deep, um, just detachment from others and the world. And, um, I always felt like not that there was something wrong with me or I just didn't fit in or, um, yeah, I just, uh, never felt comfortable. And so my addiction progressed. And when I was 19, um, you know, be clean for my pregnancy and for my child. And I didn't have, again, I was very disassociated which was my go-to when things got really hard and felt impossible. He was born beautiful baby boy. Um, thank you, Jesus, that, you know, he, he was born very healthy. Um, and I slowed down for a while at that time and then went raring again, you know, um, after he was a couple months old, just started hanging out with the same people whom I still love. They're not bad people either. It was just the lifestyle I was living in. And so um, I got pregnant another less than a year later with, with twins, Lexi and Isaiah. They were born in 1997. And during that pregnancy, I was able to um, stay clean. I mean, at the time it felt clean. <laughs> I did smoke pot a few times, you know, and I say all that because it was such a source of shame for me for so many years. And I've talked about this with my children. Um, and I think it's important for moms to know, you know, there is restoration, there is forgiveness, um, there is redemption, you know, after walking through these things. And so when the twins were born, um, I had had three kids in less than two years. I was a single mom. I had no idea how to be a mother. And it was very stressful. I wanted desperately to know how to be a mother and how to do all the things that I know that moms are supposed to do. I just didn't know how. Um, I was in a deep depression and um, started getting prescription medications, which was like so amazing at the time, you know, <laughs> the doctors would pretty much give me whatever I wanted. And um, here I was single mom, three babies at home, didn't know how to be a mom, trying to live life and figure it out. Um, and I ended up getting a DWI. By now, this is my third DWI. The kids were very young. I was 25 years old and went to my very first treatment center in Ketchikan. Um, at that time, I was able to choose to go to treatment versus do jail time there at Ketchikan Correctional. And um, I had no desire to stop drinking or using drugs. I didn't think I had a problem, even though I just got my third DWI and had three babies at home. So um, I went to that treatment center with zero, um, you know, I, I was not going there to change. Um, but what happened was I went to my very first AA meeting, 1736 Tongass Avenue in Ketchikan, Alaska. And I sat in a room and there were people sharing my story and I was completely blown away because up until that point, I just knew there was something so terribly and deeply wrong with me. 
I could not get my stuff together. I couldn't do the right thing even when I wanted to. And although I had, you know, stopped doing a lot of the harder drugs I was doing earlier, I wasn't shooting dope. I was still, you know, engaging in that in, uh, addiction with prescription medications and alcohol. And I remember going into this room, I can picture it right now, and it just felt like there was some hope. And um, I didn't know what a meeting was. I thought it was like a treatment group, you know? <laughs> and that was just a beginning of um, learning more and more about recovery. Now, at that time, I knew about God, obviously. I was raised in a Christian home. I went to Christian schools, but I had gone too far. And I felt like I knew better and I knew about God's grace and I knew what he had done for me on the cross. Yet I also knew that I had, I had felt like I had still made choices um, that were very harmful to myself and others. And so I didn't want anything to do with the God portions, even within 12 step groups. Um, but another point that was really shifting for me was, and this is very controversial for a lot of people, but this is what helped me. There was a saying in AA that was, you can find a God of your understanding. Now, what that told me was the God that I grew up with, the God of my parents was not the God that I had to um, look to. And for me, that started my relationship, a real relationship with Jesus Christ. For me, that allowed me to take away all of my preconceived notions of who God was and step into a personal relationship with my Savior. And um, so that's my story, and I know that's not for everyone, but um, you know, I didn't. I was able to stay abstinence-free at that time for about three years. Um, really, like, thrived in recovery. I had meetings. At my, I mean, I was doing all the things. And I got into, I got back with my children's father and it just went downhill real quick. Um, I started drinking again and next thing you know, I am shooting dope again. And now I have three kids. Um, I am very well known in the community, in the recovery community and trying to hide that from people. And the shame was so suffocating and so dark and I went to places in my life and my addiction that I never thought I would ever go. Mind you, I'm skipping over decades of use and trauma and really um, dark things um, over those years. I, um, because of that first trauma and that, that um, lens that I had, it's like I invited very, very harmful and scary situations. Um, like I deserved that, like I was in very toxic, abusive relationships. Um, my boyfriend and I, you know, we open, we would try and kill each other <laughs> several times. And I don't mean just pretending, you know, um, again, there were overdoses, there were, you know, trips to the ER, there were trips to jail. I've been to jail more times than I can count. Um, my kids were obviously in a very harmful situation and it got to a point where I lost 
everything. I lost um, my house, you know, my job, my car, all the things. I ended up in API at one point, had no idea how I got there. Um, my kids, thank goodness, I had parents who were the other parent to my children. Um, both of their fathers were either in jail or also in active addiction themselves. And um, so it was just this cycle that um, the deeper I got and the longer I got into it became the norm for me. I had accepted the fact that I was going to die in addiction. I had actually was okay with that um, at one point, you know, and after going in and out of jail so many times there, um, I had never, I, I had never gotten serious charges um, for a long time, actually. And during the interims, I would do good, have my kids, try it again, you know, um, get in a horrible relationship. I mean, mainly with my children's fathers. I didn't have a lot of relationships, um, you know, later in life. It was just kind of the same cycle that I would go with the same people. And so, and they all, you know, it, it was never changed. <laughs> no matter if it was a different person, it was the same situation. Um, also during that time, of course, I had my mom and dad just praying over me and constantly trying to speak in my life. And um, I was just really running with some really scary people. And I was also a scary person. I was very abusive. Um, and that was just something that I... Uh, you know, came to terms with. So um, years and years of that, there was a point where I was so down in my addiction. And mind you, I have been on the top, you know, lots of cars and houses in my addiction, money, money, money. And that was a drug in itself for me. Um, and then I've been on the lowest of lows. And the thing about Alaska is it's pretty small, but it's so interesting because I remember just being in like sub-level uh, places in very small communities, places I had never been before, which is very strange. If you're in Ketchikan, Alaska, it's very small, but this was a whole nother world, you know. Um, so in 2005, I was, um, I had come to a point where my significant other um, nearly killed me and I asked my parents if they would take my children. They were um, not in a safe spot with me and they were pretty much done with all my stuff. I had just harmed my family so many times and so I ended up bringing my kids to my parents house one day and told them I'd pick them up the next day and never came back. And it's just really hard to think of those moments, but it also is very necessary for me as I move forward in my life and for them to not minimize the realities of what happened in our journey. Um, I was shortly after that was arrested and charged with my very first felonies. I was charged uh, 12 charges, uh, eight felonies, four misdemeanors. Um, I ended up pleading down to two felonies and two misdemeanors um, and got sentenced to six years in prison. And then from there went to Highland Mountain 
my children were with my parents and at Highland Mountain, um, that's where some huge shifts happened for me and where I feel like my recovery really caught hold. I went into the chapel at Highland Mountain Correctional Center and um, the chaplain there was a childhood friend of mine, Chaplain Blodgett. I'll never forget seeing his face. I had been years and years and years using. I looked the part as someone who had been shooting meth for years on end. And he just looked at me with um, so much love in his eyes. I could see Jesus all over him. And I just knew in that moment that there might be some hope for me. And God, again, started radically making changes inside of me that I could not do on the outside. And so I did not get clean at that time. I did not stop going to prison at that time. But that is really where my um, foundation was you know, just radically moved forward. Got out of prison, uh, 2008. And um, at that time was reunified with my children, didn't know how to be a mom. Now I'm on felony probation. Now, meantime, all of this time, I had folks coming up to me with prophetic words from the Lord all along the way, saying, telling me almost the exact same thing every time. I thought they were crazy. Um, but because of my background, I knew that they could, they were to be true. And so they would just tell me that I would be speaking in front of thousands of people that I would be changing hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. I remember having visions and people coming up to me and telling me about speaking into specifically women's life and this process of reentry basically, but I didn't know that's what it was at the time. And so, um, you know, I say all that because I walked through so many things that the Lord spoke into my life over the time that I thought he was nowhere to be found. He was there all along. He was standing right next to me. He was carrying me. He was partnering with me. He was doing for me what I could not do for myself. He was making the impossible possible. Um, and I did not again get clean and do well at that time. Um, started going back into prison on, you know, having, using substances. And I, um, you know, really knew at that time that I wanted something different. Fast forward to 2011, June 1st, 2011, which is the last time I was released from Lemon Creek Correctional Center. And that is the day that I celebrate my recovery birthday. I didn't know that was going to be the day. I had no idea that that was going to be something I would celebrate for years to come. Coming up on 11 years here pretty soon. Yes. In about a month. So exciting. I know. It's crazy. And, you know, like I said, I can look back in all of those dark, ugly moments. I saw Satan himself. I saw the enemy. I was in there and I saw the Lord step in time and time and time again when I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I had no reason for him to love me, yet he stepped in and and um, completely transformed situations. So, um, you know, that is my story of addiction. And the story of recovery is so much greater, so much farther. Um, I've been able to uh, really you know, pioneer a lot of things in our state coming from that passion of been there because I've been there. Uh, my kids and I have an incredible relationship today. There's been full restoration on so many levels with my family. 
um, and I'm able to speak life into people just like folks did for me. You know, there's so many helpers along the way. I didn't have a suddenly moment, um, but I had a lot of moments that have brought me to stepping into the calling that I was always born to do. And my voice matters and everyone listening, your voice matters, your story matters. It's powerful. I don't care how far down you've gone. You are redeemable. And I know that I know that I know um, my story People said I would never make it, and here I am, and I'm able to speak into lives. I'm able to um, make change in places that nobody thought possible when it comes to recovery, addiction, prison ministry, incarceration. And so I am just so grateful to be here today. Yes. Oh, Kara, it's just so amazing to hear what God has done, what he continues to do. And like she said, if you're out there listening and maybe you're struggling in addiction, you have a loved one struggling in addiction, what would one thing, Kara, that you would say and speak into either the family member mm -hmm. or the person struggling? Don't ever give up. It might take a hundred times, uh, that 101 time, something shifts and you move forward. As a family member, Pray, pray, pray. Yes. Don't ever give up. Yep. Nobody's gone too far down. For those still in addiction, reach out. There are people all over our state who want to help. It is our privilege and honor to help. So Yes, and if you are listening and you, you want help, you want to reach out, call Freedom House Office. Our number is 907-260-3733. We will pray with you. We will hook you up with resources and we will love on you and help you make that next step into your recovery. Again, that phone number, 907-260-3733, 907-260-3733. And we do encourage you to call that phone number today. Kara, thanks so much for coming in today. Absolutely. We do appreciate it. And Jennifer, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, here's, we have about a minute left to go. Yeah, my final thought as she was speaking, um, just the definition of insanity mm -hmm. is doing the same thing and expecting different results. And if your life in any way is insane or you're living that that's that definition we want to encourage you to reach out do something different do something that you've never done before and start your journey today all right again that phone number 907-260-3733 you can also find out more information about freedom house on their website at freedomhouse907.com that's freedomhouse907.com for Jennifer Waller, I'm Tom Spiegelman, and thanks again for listening to The Dose of Hope. Whoop, whoop.